began to work on this ladies' meeting and we chose the theme about being precious jewels or gems from God's jewelry box, uh, my lot fell to speak on the wedding band, the piece of jewelry out of our jewelry box, the wedding band. I guess it's because I was the oldest and I've been married the longest and <laughs> 50 years, praise God. But uh, <clears throat> my piece of jewelry was the wedding band. So right at the very beginning, I'm going to be speaking uh, to wives, to future wives, to uh, future wives over here, hopefully. But uh, at the very beginning, before I start speaking, there are three groups of, of women I want to address first thing. If you're here and you're divorced, I want you to know that I am not against you. I would be very naive to think that there are not certain circumstances many times out of your control that have left you in that situation. I know that. And also I know and I realize that sometimes these things happen before you get saved and you can't go back and undo it. So I want you to know the things I say today uh, I'm not against somebody that's divorced. I know that happens sometimes. And then if you're here and you are in physical a physical abusive relationship, I want you to know that I have never, nor will I ever, I have been a pastor's wife for over 40 years. I was a mission, my husband was in missions for almost 10 years, and now we're doing kind of evangelistic work, just whatever God wants us to do. But in all those years, we've dealt with people in different situations. And I have never, my husband and I have never, never told anyone to stay in a situation where they were physically abused and were afraid for their life. I have never, and I will never. So I want you to know that when I speak to you and tell you that our vows should be till death do us part, and they should be. But I do realize and I do know that there are certain circumstances. And if you are here this morning, we talked this morning, uh, this morning, this evening now, isn't it? But we talked when we had prayer time together before we came up here. We never know what comes through the doors. We never know the burden that you're bearing. And so if you're here and you're in a physical abusive situation, my advice and my prayer for you is that you would get help. Get help for that. And then number three, if you are here and you have a perfect marriage, that you have just been on a honeymoon for 50 years, 20 years, one year, and you have a perfect marriage, then I want you to leave right now. <laughs> because you are intimidating to me. So uh, I said, I don't see anybody getting up leaving. So I guess we're all in the same situation, huh? We're all human. Well, of all the pieces of jewelry that I have in my jewelry box, boxes, I have more than one jewelry box. I, I love jewelry, but then uh, the years that I pastored and all, you get a lot of gifts of jewelry, and I treasure each one. But of all the pieces of jewelry that I have in my jewelry box, without a shadow of a doubt, <clears throat> my most precious, the most precious piece of jewelry that I have in my jewelry box 
is my wedding band. You will very seldom see me without my wedding band on. I may not have the other pieces. I may not have the diamond, the anniversary ring. But you very seldom will ever see me without my wedding band on. I am very thankful and I am very proud that I belong to someone. And I want everybody to know that I belong to Alan Barker. I have his ring. The necklace that I'm wearing today is my mom and daddy's wedding bands. And when my daddy died, they had been married for over 60 years. And when he died, my mama spent the last eight years of her life in the nursing home. because She had Parkinson's disease. And so instead of her trying to keep up with her wedding band, she had already lost her mother's ring in there. We took her wedding band and daddy's wedding band and had this pendant made for her to wear around her neck. She wore it every day. She had it on the day she died. She had this necklace on. Their fidelity, my mom and daddy's fidelity to each other and their commitment and their love for each other was the greatest gift they gave us as their children. Now for a little history of the wedding band, it's important. And let's, who, who ever thought up about wearing a wedding band? We really don't don't read about it in the Bible, do we? We don't see where Abraham gave Sarah a wedding band. Or, uh, but where did, where did the wedding band come from? The Egyptians were the first to wear a wedding band. They believed that there was a vein called the vena amorous that ran directly from the heart to the fourth finger on the left hand. They called it the vein of love. Now, we know that there now, uh, as you've studied anatomy and all of this stuff, we know there is no such vein. But it is really sweet to think about it, isn't it, that you're wearing your wedding band on the finger that has a vein that runs directly to your heart. That's how come they did it. The wedding band is a circle having no beginning and no end. It represents a never-ending union and love. I read when I was studying the history of the wedding band, it also said, one writer also said, that it also represented the gateway into a new life, into a new beginning. But it has no ending, no beginning, no ending. It is a physical and visible representation of a binding contract that you made to your husband. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.5, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, that thou shouldest vow and not pay. So when you make those wedding vows, and these young girls over here that hopefully one day will be making one, you need to think about that thing. Because the Bible says it's better that you would not vow than you would vow and then not make pay for that that vow. December the 31st of this year, we will celebrate our 51st wedding anniversary. And you would think after 50 years of marriage, I would have all the answers. But I don't. And some of the questions are bum-fuzzling me these days, I'll tell you that. 
But I do want to leave a few things with you that I think will help you reach that 50-year anniversary. I promise you, I promise you, when you do, you'll be glad you did. I speak from experience. Number one, if you want to have a long, happy marriage, if you want to reach that 50th wedding anniversary or that 45, whatever, some are not blessed, but at, to be able to live that long, but I'm thankful that the Lord blessed me with 50 years. But if you want to have a long, happy marriage and your wedding band be the most treasured piece of jewelry you have in your jewelry box, number one, there's got to be determination. You're going to have to be determined that you want to have a happy marriage. It does not just happen because some little fairy came along and sprinkled fairy sprinkles on you. It does, it's not a fairy tale. You're going to have to have determination if you want to have a happy marriage. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.1 when he was addressing the most carnal church in the New Testament, he said, but I determined within myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Paul was saying to that church, they were so carnal, they were from all kinds of problems, but he said, I've determined, I've sat down and I've had a talk with myself, and I'm not going to come to you again in heaviness. Paul said, I determined, and so if you want to have a happy marriage, and if you want to have a marriage that stands the test of time, then you're going to have to determine that's what you want. You're going to have to make that decision. Quitters are a dime a dozen. You need to put your big girl panties on, roll up your sleeves, and be prepared to fight for your marriage and for your home. Proverbs 31 says, and the virtuous woman that we try to model our lives after, and that's, we do well to model after the, the Proverbs 31 woman. She says, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. Verse 25 says, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. So we're going to have to fight. This is not for sissies. Anybody can quit. Anybody can quit. The devil doesn't want you to have a long, happy marriage. But I want to serve papers on the devil today. I will fight for my marriage. I will fight. It's not just my feelings at stake. It's not just me. It's the testimony of Alan Barker. It's Jeremy and Rebecca Simpson. It's Jeremiah, Brianna, Ezekiel, Israel, Jenna Ray, Donathan, Lydia, and Chloe. It's Jonathan, Leslie, Madeline, Olivia, and Victoria. It's Amazing Grace Baptist Church where I'm a member. I will fight 
for my marriage and for what God constitutes as a holy union between me and my husband. Above all of that, it's my precious Lord. I don't want to let him down. I want to do what he wants me to do. And according to everything that I can read and see in these scriptures, he's meant for our marriage to be for lifetime and for us to honor him with that. And so I will fight for my marriage. There's more at stake than my petty feelings. There's more at stake than me having my feelings on my shoulders. I will fight for my, I'm determined. If I hadn't been determined, I wouldn't be here 50 years later. But I'm determined by his help, by God's help, I will be by Alan Barker's side the day he dies. Or if I go home before him, he'll be by my side, I guarantee you. Because we determined a long time ago that with God's help, we would put our personal feelings aside and we would work together to make this marriage work. One of the most precious things, and I will never forget it, as long as I lived, when Alan's daddy was dying, and, and uh, many of you, some of you knew him, preacher Olin Barker, he, everybody in this area knows him. He was everybody's pastor in Elk, and everybody knew him, everybody loved him. And uh, when he was dying, he had cancer, he preached for over 50 years, I don't know how many churches he pastored. He back then when he first started pastoring, sometimes he'd pastor two at a time. You know they'd do that up here in Wilkes County. <laughs> but when he was dying, he had cancer and he was dying. And because he was, the hospice had brought him home, and uh, we were taking turns staying with him. We never left him and Grace, Ellen's mama alone, and we were taking turns staying with him. But that day, particular day, there was a whole yard full of people. And uh, they just lived in a little single white trailer. And, and um, Ellen's, one of Ellen's sisters, Linda, which has gone to heaven now already, but she came out and she said, Mama wants everybody out. Mama wants everybody out of the trailer. So there were seven children. So all seven children, all, all of the in-laws, all the grandchildren, we all went outside in the yard, and she went back in the trailer and shut the door and stayed with him for a while because that was her husband. That was the one that she was her soulmate, and she wanted that time with him just by herself. And after a little bit, she opened the door, and she said, Okay, you can come, come on in. And I want you to know that's the way God wants your marriage to be. That when it comes time to die, that you can be together. And you can want to be together and you can love each other. But that doesn't happen without determination. You're going to have to determine. We pledged, Ellen and I pledged to each other over 50 years ago till death do you part. And I will be with him and he will be with me 
but it'll only happen. Even now, it could things could I could get high minded and heady and say, I'm not gonna get in this car and I'm not gonna pack any more clothes and I'm not riding with you no more six hours to get to a church that's got a half a dozen people and preach. <laughs> I could do that. But you know what? Uh, I don't want to. I want to be determined. I want to do what I have to do to be there for him. And so we need to keep our determination up. Don't ever let your guard down. Be determined to have the best marriage you can have. But not only are you going to have to have determination, but if you want to have a long, happy marriage, you're going to have to have dedication. You can, um, you can have all the t- determination you can muster up within yourself. You can have rolled your sleeves up and calling for the devil to come on. You're ready to fight. You're, you're ready. You've got determination. But it only takes one phone call. It only takes one text message. And it can knock every bit of wind you've got in you out. It can only take one visit to the doctor. And the doctor give you the news that your married life will never be the same again. Your, Your husband can be diagnosed with cancer. And you know it'll never be. And it knocks every bit of the determination in you out. And that's when dedication is going to have to step in. The word dedication means to devote to a sacred purpose. Some synonyms for dedication are committed, devotion, faithfulness, loyalty, just to name a few. It could be that when you uh, get that phone call, it could be that um, you, have, you have got the news that your husband has been unfaithful to you. It could be sexual infidelity. It could be financial deceit. I have a very precious friend that her husband took care of the finances in the home. And uh, she, didn't, uh, she didn't bother to look at him because she trusted him. And there just came a day when he con- just told her, he said, look, I have gotten us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt with credit card debt- indebtedness. And my friend was heartbroken. She told me, um, she, when she asked me to pray for her, she said, pray for me that God will heal my heart. She felt deceived by that. You may find out that your husband is addicted to porn. There's all kinds of things that can hit you in the face and take the fight out of you and knock you flat on your face for a few minutes. But that's when you need to get up and regroup and let dedication come in. And you have to remember that you took him for better or for worse in sickness or in health. And you'll have to let God help you through those things. How dedicated, loyal, 
And faithful are you to what this wedding band is the symbol of. Dedicated first to the Lord, first to the Lord, and then to your husband. We, true love, true love will take a second look. Before you pack your bags and walk out the door, stop and take a second look. And remember that God gave you this, this man, and it's for a lifetime commitment. So you got to have determination. you got to be ready to fight. you got to roll up your sleeves. you got to be ready to fight. You've got to have dedication. You have dedication to the Lord, dedicated, dedicated to your husband, to that man that is the father of your children. You've got to be dedicated. But then, number three, you've got to have deliberate action. You have got to have deliberate action. James says faith without works is dead. So we've got to have deliberate action. You can tell your husband all day long how much you love him. You can say, I'm determined and I'm dedicated to the cause, to this marriage. But if you never show any deliberate actions, your words are empty and meaningless. I thought about John 3.16 when I was studying this. And what if John 3.16 read, For God so loved the world. And that was it. But God showed deliberate action, didn't he? He showed his love. He gave his only begotten son. So true love will have deliberate action. And the relationship between a husband and a wife is compared to the church, Christ and the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, this is a great mystery that I'm speaking. But it, he said, I'm speaking about Christ and the church. And he was talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife. Your deliberate actions should be seen, number one, in your home. In your home. I um, was listening to Brother Stenick Ballou on the radio the other day. Isn't it amazing that even when men die and have gone to heaven, you get to hear them again? And we were, go, we were, Alan and I were on our way to a um, revival meeting somewhere. We're all the time. <laughs> we're going, we're going, my mama used to say, she said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're getting ready to go to church. And she said, that's your middle name, ain't it? Go to church. <laughs> but we were on our way to revival meeting somewhere. Alan was preaching a meeting and um, I heard Brother Stanley Ballou and he was preaching on the wife's duty in the home. And he said that, um, a woman's home is her testimony. So what kind of testimony are you leaving? What kind of testimony are you giving for your husband? Now, I know very well that your house is not always going to be uh, speak and span, perfect, all that kind of stuff, but you ought to want it to be. You ought to try to keep things cleaned up. I, don't, I cannot believe that there's a man anywhere that likes to live in chaos, in a nasty mess, I just, I just can't believe that. And uh, he may, may tolerate it because he don't have any other choice, but you ought to clean the place up a little once in a while. 
<clears throat> say, well, I sure do love you, but my goodness, she can't even find his way to the kitchen sink, you know, <laughs> for the dirty dishes. So our deliberate actions should be seen in our home. I want my home. My home is not always clean. My home is not always picture perfect by no means, but I want it to be, and I strive for it to be, because I want my home to be a place that my husband wants to come home to. And so you need, your deliberate action should be in your home. Proverbs 31, 27, the virtuous woman looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So our home, we should be proud. We should take pride in our home. We should want it to be clean. We should want it to be some kind of order in it. It should not be chaos all the time. We should have some kind of order in our home if uh, we're going to have deliberate actions. And then we need to have, if you want to have a long, happy marriage, now I'm telling you, I'm giving you some good things. You better write it down. If you want to have a long, happy marriage, you should have deliberate action in your looks. You should care about the way you look. I am. I like to watch people. I'm a people watcher, and a lot of times, especially now, when I hobble up here on these steps and have to hold, I am not that old. But I've had to have three joint replacements done because of arthritis, so I try to be careful. I don't want to have to have no more. But so a lot of times I sit in the car, or I just sit and watch, and watch people go by, and and I, I just cannot believe the way some women go outside of their house. Can you honestly, honestly? I mean, I've got as many rolls of fat as the best of you. But I ain't a putting on a pair of them things that they wear and them, them sleeveless t-shirts and can see every one of them. You're not going to catch me out like that. I, I can't, you need to care about the way you look. Somehow or another, I think we have lost a generation and teaching women how to look godly and how to look, look nice, just look nice. I mean, I, I, well, anyway, we need to care about the way you look. Uh, some of you ladies have the perfect figure, and I hate you for it, but <laughs> it's just the fact. But you can go into Belk's, and you can find two-thirds of the store in your size. You can go to Hamrick's, and you'll find two-thirds of the store in your size. Well, us that are just pleasantly plump and nice and fluffy, they'll have one little section over here. At Belk's, they've gotten nice now. They call it curvy. One little section on the curvy side over here. One thing I love about Cato's is that they divide it. They've got just as many over here for me as they have over here for you. I said all that to say this. I have to work harder than you do to find clothes. I do. I do. But you know what? I'm not going to wear just anything. You're not going to catch me out here with something that, that shows every, every roll of fat I got. No. 
and I'm going to I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look my best. Uh, someone said one time, it "Is this is a little funny thing here?" <clears throat> Our kids are not real happy about all this, but they will be one day. Alan and I have done our funeral. We've been to the funeral home. We've picked out our casket. I tried to get Alan to get up and lay down in his, and I'd take his picture, but he wouldn't. We picked out our casket. We have, um, we have, we've got all of that paid for, um, and just not too long ago, we've We've ordered our tombstone, and they ain't got it up yet, but Alan called Brother Seth the other day and told him, he said, my family's very disappointed. I have died, and there's still not a tombstone. <laughs> but he came over, and uh, uh, Brother Jeremy and Miss Rebecca came over to our house the other night, and we were looking at tombstones. We were trying to pick out what we wanted. And I was telling him, I do not want one with two vases on each side. It's too much trouble to try to keep flowers on both sides. Just put one vase in the middle. Well, anyhow. And uh, Brother Jeremy came in. He said, Dear Lord, is that all y'all got to do? (laughs) Is look at tombstones? But um, we've tried to get all that together and and get that ready for them. And... um, because we don't want them to have to be worried with that, you know, when it comes time. And I know that they'll be glad that we didn't. But the man that, that is Brother Seth Wooten, if you need a tombstone, now he's a good tombstone man. He came to our house and, you know, showed us we worked it all out. Well, the next day, his wife is my beautician. And the next day, she, I had an appointment to get my hair fixed, and I forgot it. That's the first time I think that has ever happened in my life. I forgot my hair appointment. So I called her the next day, text her. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, that's all right. She said, I told Seth last night, that's her husband that sells the tombstones, that she, Miss Jan probably won't be back to get her hair fixed anymore. You charged them too much for that tombstone. <laughs> and she won't be able to afford it. And I said, Miss Kim... When I didn't have two nickels to rub together, I kept my hair fixed. (laughs) And I did. I did. I care about the way I look. And you should. You should care for your husband. Whenever Alan pastored the church and we had young preachers that would come out of our church and go pastor a church, we always gave them a special service. And I always wrote the pastor's wife's a letter. And I said, you take it home, you can read it, and then you can look at it again. And one of the things I told them, I said, don't you ever let your husband look better than you do when you go to church. (laughs) If he's got a suit and tie then you make sure you've got dress clothes on too. Don't go to church with him looking sloppy and your hair stringy. You fix up and, and look good too. So our looks are important, and, and that's important to your husband. You ought to want to look good for him. I don't want uh, Alan to have to be ashamed to say, yeah, that's my wife over there, <laughs> you know. Um, so you need, to, you need to look. You need to look uh, the best, best you can. I, I remember a story I heard of Miss Kathy Rice. Uh, she was one of my favorite speakers. And she said that she went to church one day to speak, and she said the pastor's wife came in, and she looked very um, unkept, you know. uh, Her clothes didn't fit her right, 
and her hair was straight and stringy, and she just didn't look very good. And she said, um, one of the members of the church said, um, kind of made an excuse for her. She said, we're not able to pay our pastor very much. And she said, um, she has to get her clothes at the thrift store, you know. And Miss Rice said, she didn't say anything to that lady. She said, but that very... That very day that I was standing there, she said, I had a beautiful suit on. But she said, I bought it at the thrift store. So you, you can, if you want to, you can, look, you can look good. And that's what, if you want to have a long, happy marriage, you ought to care about the way you look. You ought to carry yourself in a way that you let people know, hey, look, I'm Mrs. Allen Barker. And I don't want him to ever have to be ashamed that that's who I am. Then you need to have deliberate action in your words, not only in, in your um, looks, but in your words. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six said, She opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. You know, a lot of times we get real smart mouth, don't we? I know, I know for myself. I'm speaking to myself. And a lot of times we blame it on PMS, going through the change, you know. You know, what they say about uh, PMS is a bulldog with lipstick on, a Doberman pincher with lipstick on. But sometimes we get pretty mouthy, and we can spout out, off at our husbands and say things we wish we hadn't said later. But do you just remember this? You cannot take your words back. And I know that myself. Uh, when my husband gets mad, he he soles up. He don't say anything, but not me. Just let's get at it. Get get this over and done with. So, and I wish, I wish that it wasn't like that. I've asked God to help me with that because you cannot take your words back. Your words should lift up your husband to God in prayer. Through the years that um, I have found in my own personal life, when the devil has come in and with would try to tell me things negative about my husband. And he will you. He will you. He'll show you his faults. He'll show you this and that. That if I every day, every day, in the beginning of the day, if I'll spend time with God in prayer, spend time with God in his word, and spend time with God in prayer, and, and on my prayer list... I love Rebecca and Jonathan. I love their families. I love my grandchildren. But my, at the top of my prayer list is Alan Barker. And when I pray for him, I stop and thank God for a man that has taken care of me for 50 years. And when I begin to thank God for what all he has done for me, that Alan has done for me. God did it through Alan. I don't see. I don't. I don't have a degree. I don't have a college education. I could not make it on my own. And God gave me a man that's taking care of me, and I thank God for that. And when I start thanking God for that, then you know what? I forget about all those things. You know, like I sure do wish he'd pick his shoes up. Right there's the closet. Why don't he put his shoes in the closet? Why don't he hate, you know? But when I begin to thank God for that, for what all he's done, what Alan's done for me, then I have to, I have to uh, say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Oh, you've given me such a good man, and I thank you for him. 
uh, in our words, we should our words should lift our husband up in prayer. Our words should thank God for our husband. You should thank God for him. And our words, our words, now remember our words should always praise our husband to our children and our family. You should always, your children, you should always have praise for your husband to your children. And then if we, our deliberate action should be in our actions, Proverbs 31, 11 through 12 said, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Can your husband trust you with the finances? Can he trust you with that credit card? Can he trust you with money? Can he trust you with the finances? Can he trust you with a home? Can he trust you with your relationships? More and more today, women are working outside of the home on a public job. But can your husband trust you with the relationships that you have with other men on the job and other men that, that you're around? Can he trust you with that? Five nevers. Five nevers for your marriage relationship. Number one, never correct your husband publicly. You want to have a long, happy marriage? Never correct your husband publicly. If you disagree with what he says, then you wait till you get home and talk to him about it. Don't make a fool out of him in front of other people. Nobody appreciates that. So never correct him publicly. Never find ways around obeying him. You know, that's part of the Bible, too, that we are to obey our husbands. And if you said the same vows I did, of course, I know a lot of people rewrite their vows now. But if you say the same vows I did, then you promised before God and the witnesses that you would obey him. So if your husband asks you to do something for him, do that first. Put that at the top of your list. He may ask you, will you please take my suits to the dry cleaners? Or will you please write a thank you letter to someone for me? Will you please make sure this is done? Then you ought to do that first. Take that, that very first thing, and then whenever he comes home and he, you get back with him again, you can say, I did it when he asked you. And uh, a lot of times, how many times, oh, well, I forgot. You know, I just got so busy doing this or that. No, don't find, don't. Never find ways around obeying him. Never withhold yourself from your husband physically. Now, I know we've got some single girls in here, and so I'm just saying never, you want to have a long, happy marriage, never withhold yourself from your husband physically. The Bible teaches that that's to be done only in agreement and for the purpose of prayer and fasting. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 and 5 says, The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that God tempt you not for your incontinency. So, you never, never withhold your husband. If you have a bone to pick with your husband, get it right so that you can resume a harmonious relationship. I think it says in the Bible somewhere in that we're not to let the sun go down with wrath. 
get it settled that night. Never, never, never use the tool of withholding affection from your husband as a method to get your own way. Never, never. This isn't submission, it's cruelty. And it will certainly not improve your relationship with your husband, will not help your marriage. I can't stress to you how important that relationship is. It's a holy relationship that God intended, God made it. Not some, some TV program, not uh, these people. No, God made it. And it is a holy relationship that should be shared between you and your husband. Always make this a very special time for you and your husband. The marriage bed is undefiled. Get creative. Uh, make it a special time for your husband. We were talking about the other uh, ladies that we had listened to um, and heard speak. One of my favorite rice, uh, speakers also was Joy Rice Martin. She was the youngest daughter of John R. Rice. And uh, she said that um, she spoke a lot on this when we would go to the meetings where the Rice sisters would speak. And uh, she said um, she didn't work on a public job, and, but she said they had a budget. And in that budget, she was given so much money a week for groceries. And so she said she learned to clip coupons and said she would clip coupons. And the money that she saved from the grocery store with her coupons was her money. And she kind of squirreled it back till she got enough till she could go downtown and she would make reservations in one of the nicest motels in town. Not no Motel 6 where they leave the lights on for you. <laughs> she saved till she had enough money saved till she could go down, she made reservations at one of those motels, and then she said she would write her husband a little note, and she'd say, meet me at such and such motel. Meet me at the Hilton Inn at six o'clock tonight. I'll be waiting for you. And she said she already had the babysitting lined up. She had several children, them Rice girls. John R. Rice has had lots of young'uns. And she already had the baby sitting lined up, and when he got there, she was there waiting on him. Now, that's what's going to keep you happy, keep your husband happy, with you doing special things just for him. And you need, you need to do that. You may not can uh, do that financially, but you can make it special at home, and that's what you need to do. You need to make it special. And then number five, never put your children your parents or your friends before your husband. Never put your children, your parents, or your friends before your husband. Not even your children. Your husband is number one. Your husband. God is first, and, then, and, and according to God's standards, your husband is right under him. Your marriage can be delightful or it can be disastrous. That's up to you. How much determination do you have? How much dedication do you have? How much deliberate actions are you putting in to making sure your husband knows that you love him and that you wear that wedding band proudly representing him as your husband? 
Several years ago, and I don't even remember where I read, but I read an article about Mamie Eisenhower. For those of you that don't know, Mamie Eisenhower was the wife of Dwight D. Eisenhower, our 34th president. And he was one of our good presidents. My daddy thought he was the best president ever was. She came, Mamie came from a very wealthy family, so wealthy that her father was able to retire when Mamie was seven years old. I think the, the uh, thing said that she, he maybe was 36, but he was very wealthy. He was a very wealthy man. So she lived in the lap of luxury. She had a home, a, a winter home in Texas, and a summer home in Denver or somewhere else where they could stay. She met uh, <clears throat> Dwight D. Eisenhower when they were in that Texas home, their summer home, and she married him when she was 19 years old and he was 25. When she married him, he was an Army lieutenant and remained in the Army to be one of the supreme generals during World War II. In her married life, Mamie went from um, living, like I said, in a luxurious home, never knew, uh, never knew what it was like to have to budget money. The money was there. She knew that. But she went from that to moving into um, the Army quarters, Army uh, housing that they had, and had to learn to budget her money. It was said that in her married life, Mamie packed and unpacked and moved at least 27 times. They had two sons. She and, and Dwight D. Eisenhower had two sons together. Her first son died with scarlet fever when he was three years old. During World War II, Dwight D. Eisenhower, of course, was over in France and England and those countries most, most of the time. He was one of the, the major, um, most famous generals there. And it, during that time, there were rumors that her husband was having an affair with his attractive young driver when the war separated them. The um, rumors were so much that Mamie's son, the one that lived to adulthood, has taken, had, has taken the letters that his mom and daddy wrote to each other during that time to try to disprove that, that they, that her, his mom and daddy, you know, were still in love. But anyhow, there was rumors, and it was a big thing. I mean, it's in all the articles. If you study the life of Dwight D. Eisenhower and Mamie, it will be mentioned. Just Google it. I'm the Google queen. I Google everything. But it was meant that he had an affair. It was rumored. The article I read said that Mamie at this time, along about this time, contemplated she didn't know if she wanted to live with him anymore. It was certainly not the life that she had hoped it would be. He was gone a lot. Um, she had to budget money. She, um, this was before she became um, the um, first lady, the president's wife. She had to learn to budget money. They had a baby that died, and if any of you have lost a child like that, you know how devastating that can be to your relationship, the very best. It, you can say it's devastating. 
and she had a baby. And then rumors, here he is over in another country. She's at home trying to keep the home front going. And then rumors that he's having an affair with the lady that drives him. They, the, the historians say she was a very attractive lady. They'd give her name. But anyhow, she contemplated that maybe she didn't want to make this marriage work any longer. She was tired. She was tired of packing. She was tired of the separation. And she said, after much, much counsel, after counseling, after much thought, she decided, no, I love Dwight D. Eisenhower, and I'm going to stay with him. She was determined. And then she, um, she said, I'm dedicated to this man, and I'm going to stay with him. So she went to her beautician. And she told her beautician, I want you to give me a new hairdo. Um, I want something different to commemorate the fact that I'm a new me. I'm staying with my husband through thick and thin. And the, the beautician gave her a hairdo, and she'd never had bangs before. And Mamie Eisenhower had bangs cut. And if you look, Google it. When you get home, Google it. Google it on your phone during supper. And you'll see Mamie Eisenhower, all of her pictures, she has the bangs. And it became so prominent in that day. And, of course, the president's wives are very, you know, everybody tries to fashion after them, that it was called the Mamie Bangs. And it was, she said, it was a symbol to her that when I look at myself in the mirror and I fix my hair, that, yep, I'm going to stay with Dwight D. Eisenhower. I'm going to be with him by his side all the way and she was so my prayer for you today is that you will leave here today with a new hairdo more determined more determined than ever to have a great marriage more dedicated to your marriage and that you will be thinking of more deliberate actions that you can do to show your love for your husband. Can I tell you that the greatest gift you will ever give your children? You say, I would like to leave them a million dollars. Well, that'd be all right. But I'm telling you, the greatest gift you'll ever give your children is to love their daddy and let them see that no matter what, it doesn't matter what happens, they know that that union, that home is safe and you're gonna be in it together. One of the greatest joys in my life, and I'm not sure about the time, but Rebecca, I'm just almost through. One of the greatest joys in my life today, I'm 68 years old, I've been married 50 years, and one of the greatest joys in my life today that brings me the most pleasure of anything. You say, uh, Miss Jen, y'all built a new house. I'm sure that new house brings you much pleasure. It does. I'm thankful for it. Um, money, things, no. The greatest joy, the thing that I enjoy most in this life is getting to sit with my husband at church and hear my son preach and enjoy that together with him. 
It's being able to sit in church or, or sit and see my grandchildren singing and praising the Lord. Last night we came to church here last night and little Ezekiel was sitting behind us and Jeremy would say, I mean, Jeremiah would say, amen. And then Ezekiel would say, amen, amen. And Ellen and I get to enjoy that together. If I'd given up years ago, if I'd said, I'm through with this, I don't like this, I'm through with this, and maybe you've never been there, and I hope, but I'm just telling you the real thing. If I'd given up, I would not have been able to enjoy that together with him. And how I cherish him. And how I love him. We pick and carry on, but we love each other dearly. And we so enjoy getting to spend time together and see our children together. And see our grandchildren together. Now our great-grandchildren. And I'm even going to have one named after me. Can you believe that? After all these girls we've had. Jenna Ray's coming next week probably. (laughs) That's the greatest joy I have in my life. And I'm telling you, it's sweet. It's a sweet time in our life. And it can be for you, but you're going to have to have determination. You're going to have to roll up them sleeves and be willing to fight for what's yours. You know, who was it? Who was it? Loretta Lynn? He used to say, she ain't woman enough to take my man. (laughs) No, sir. You look in that one girl that'll fight for Alan Barker. Now, you do what you want to with your man, but I'm not handing mine over to nobody, not without a fight. And I'm so thankful. Thank God I never had to worry about that. But I would fight for him. I would fight for my family. You've got to have determination. You've got to have dedication. How dedicated are you to the Lord How dedicated are you to what God wants for you home? God sees the future. God knows what he wants for you. Stick it out. Stay with him. And then you're going to have to have some deliberate action. It ain't going to happen just because you want it to happen. You're going to have to put some legs on your prayers. And you're going to have to ask God to help you. And I promise you, I promise you, it'll be worth it when you reach that 50 anniversary. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your precious word. I thank you for this incredible journey that you put me in 50 years ago, over 50 years ago now, Lord. I I look back and, and that day when I stood in the altar and I married Alan. I never would have dreamed in a million zillion years we'd be where we're at today. But God, I give you the honor and I give you the glory for it. Now, Lord, I don't know these ladies. I see young. I see old. I see single girls over here. But God, you know each one. And there may be a lady that's come in here today thinking, I just can't make this marriage work any longer. Well, God, will you give her a good dose of determination and dedication? Help her, Lord, to look beyond today, beyond the problems that they're facing today. And help her, Lord. Only you can do that. We can cancel. We can give words to cancel. But at the end, God, you're the one. They're going to have to let you help them do it. And I pray you do that today. Lord, I want you to help me. Lord, I realize every day I don't have 
as much time in my life ahead as I've had behind. Our days are getting shorter, Lord, and none of us are promised tomorrow. So, Lord, help me take advantage of every day that I get to spend with Alan. And help me to love him more, Lord, just like you love the church. God, please be with the rest of this ladies' meeting. Help us all today to do your will. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.